Hello, readers and writers. I am Anthony Elmana, also known as Professor Grandpa Tonio, the book guy and the writing guy. Welcome to Writers on Writing, my podcast series of conversations with great authors. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Stanetta Anthony. Stanetta Anthony is a retired preschool educator who after encouraging children to love reading, discussing, and sharing good books for many years, started writing and publishing her very own books. Stanetta's books inspire readers, both young and older, to think about accepting and honoring others most in need of our love, compassion, and kindness. Several of her books invite readers to pause and consider the importance of nurturing their spiritual lives. For example, The Love Story, a unique Christian book for young readers, uses luminous illustrations and brief dialogues to create a conversation between God and his son Jesus to explore the meaning of love and sacrifice. And if you want to lift your spirits with lessons, stories, and brief meditations, then follow Stanetta to her website, where you'll find her free downloadable ebook with the title, 31 Days of Treasures. Inspiration is also a powerful force in Stanetta's book about Michelle Obama, titled Michelle Obama's Impact on Women and Girls of Color. This deeply sensitive book is a collaboration of writings and artistry celebrating the former first lady. And readers and writers, be sure to find your way to A Home for Sally, Stanetta's heartfelt picture book about a lovable special needs puppy named Sally. I said puppy, that's right. You'll soon hear Stanetta tell us about the reason for Sally's sadness but also about the hope she keeps close to her heart. So welcome, Stanetta Anthony. I'm delighted to be talking with you today. Thank you, Anthony, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, sure, we're gonna have a good conversation. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think I always like to start by asking this, this question. I think it's pretty basic. What do you remember about your experiences with books and reading during your childhood? Uh, one of them is I am the oldest child in my family, so I love to read, and I was always reading stories to my younger siblings, but one of the things that I like to do while I was reading was recreating the characters, so I would read maybe the Three Bears or the, I would read something, and so we would recreate them, I would recreate them. So I would take them from the books and then we would act them out. And it was just really fun. And so that's most what I enjoyed from my childhood about reading and just acting it out. Oh, that's great. It's a great way to make a book come alive. That's why we, mm -hmm. that's why we do drama so often with kids to get them to be the characters, you know, it makes a lot of sense. When did you, I'm sorry, when did you know that you wanted to be a writer? Uh, it was, uh, my story began a little later in my life, about 47, 48, somewhere around there. 
I was asked to uh, create, which is my first book, which is a love story. I was asked to create a curriculum for our uh, nursery, Sunday school slash nursery department of the church where I attend. And as I was creating that curriculum, a book was born out of it. So I never thought that I would uh, write a book or author a book or publish a book or anything. And that actually sat for maybe about a year, year and a half. And I taken it off of the shelf, as we often say, and I read it to someone. And when I read that particular story, they asked me, where did I get that book from? And I said, I wrote it. <laughs> and so I said, you think it could be a book? And they say, yeah, I think, they, I think it, it can be. And so they were a person who was actually my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law, Diane. And so she started sending me information about publishing and writing. And that sat for about six months. And I said, am I really going to do this? And I really did. And so I launched out. And I started with my first book. And after I did my first book, I started having, I guess, the writing book. And I started writing other books and writing poems. Everything isn't always published. But it just started something within me that probably was deep inside. I just had never... Uh, brought it forth. Oh, that's I, I love when you said not all of it published, you know, because sometimes we just we write because we want to write and we need to write. And it's not necessarily always on the way to a publication. And that's true. I have some stuff that's just sitting. I don't know if it'll ever get published, but it's something I like. So that, that's, we'll that's, see. that's important. Yeah. I understand that. I mean, I think it's important because if you, if you, if we like what we're writing, then we're going to go back to it. We're going to, and, and also because it teaches us something about the writing, about writing craft and about the writing process. It's very important. Here's a, here's a question kids often ask me, which I'll ask you, what's the hardest thing about writing? What's the easiest? Okay. So the hardest that they usually ask me is, why do I make my characters, why do I use the characters that I use? And so uh, I often have to explain uh, this particular character came from this heart, because they're all from the heart, but maybe from this particular experience and another experience. And then the easiest thing that they usually ask me is, mm, do I have fun? And I can actually say, I have fun while I'm writing. I, I feel like that character is mine. It belongs to me. And um, I feel like it's birthed out of me. So I often tell children, you know, your character becomes you and you become your character. So just as they watch video games and watch television and different things, they become involved in the process of that character even though that's not them, they become involved in it. And so that's the easiest way for me to explain it. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense too. I think that um, we connect, you know, and we, we grow to love these characters. I mean, I certainly feel that way about, about uh, Sally. 
Yes. And uh, I often refer to Sally. So when I'm talking about Sally, I often say, okay, Sally. And uh, sometimes people look at me, okay. Uh, okay, Sally. And they'll make a little joke, but it's okay. I know who I'm talking about. <laughs> That's great. No, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, working, I'm working on a story now. Well, I haven't been working on a story because I've not been feeling well. But um, I'm coming around, <laughs> you know, and um, and, you know, it's I, I, I have this character. I know what you mean. I have this character I'm creating. I'm, he his name right now is Vasilis, but that's I'm changing his name because I want it to be from Brazil rather than Greece. But um, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning more from him as he's teaching me who he is. Yeah. And your characters. Your characters in your book, um, they actually do give you life lessons. You learn from them as you're writing. And even after you've completed, maybe you're going back to look at uh, what you've written and you'd be like, oh, wow, this is, this is something. And so, yeah, you begin to see your characters. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, uh, speaking of characters, what inspired you to write a home for Sally, your your heartfelt picture book. Well, uh, what really I inspired me was actually um, the media television, and I enjoyed watching Saturday morning adoption shows. So on the local news where they featured all the dogs and everything like that, that was something I sat there and I'd be like, oh, I can't adopt them all, but you know, hopefully they're getting uh, adopted. And one thing I noticed was that I never seen a special needs puppy or cat. And although my book is based on a puppy. And I, I often wonder what, what happens to them? What's, what's going on with them? Why aren't they ever featured on television? And uh, so some years kind of passed by and also, by me being in the classroom, I had the opportunity throughout the years to uh, work with some special uh, special students. And so it was actually birthed from that. I needed to find a face, uh, find someone that is say, okay, what about this dog? What about this child? How do they feel? They need to be in the forefront just as much as every I'm going to say, quote unquote, what we call normal dog. Mm -hmm. So they need to be in the forefront too, where they're being adopted. Wow. That's so important. You know, because, the, well, I, I mean, as I said in my introduction, it's like, it's, um, it's empathy and compassion, you know, and, and that's, those are two beautiful, beautiful sentiments. Most definitely. And we have to have empathy for, uh, the dogs and the animal community. We have to have not just for one particular animal, not just for the healthy dogs, but the, the, the but the dogs who are missing limbs, the dogs who are blind, the dogs who are deaf, the dogs who have medical conditions, the older dogs. So we need to have some empathy across the board for each of them and not just one particular group. I love to hear that. Why don't you explain to our, our listeners the, the Sally's problem. Okay, so Sally's problem is she was born with a missing paw. 
And so uh, actually the left missing part. So that was her problem that she has. I, I wouldn't call it a problem and just something that it was a, she was born with. And trying to overcome that was challenging for her because every other dog around her seemed to be healthy. And um, Sally was made fun of by both humans and other dogs because of her uniqueness of what she looked like. And it was even a challenge for her because she felt nobody really likes me. Nobody really accepts me for who I am. And so she began to get discouraged herself that uh, maybe I'm not lovable, you know? So that's that's basically her story. But she has a happy ending, so yay. <laughs> she does indeed. Um... And and now and people will now now everybody will rush off and try to find out what that is. So let's not tell them. But it's a it, it's a it's a wonderful ending and a very uh, it's not as not surprising as much as heartwarming. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I needed her to have a, a happy ending. Uh, she couldn't have a sad ending. <laughs> I hope not. When you share a home for Sally with children, how do they respond? Uh, you know what? It's, I get different responses. Um, most of the time when, I, uh, when I'm with children, I usually just hold up the book first and I ask them the question, what do you see on the cover of this book? And sometimes children get it. Sometimes they don't. Uh, some of them will say, um, oh, that dog looks funny or uh, why, why is their leg missing? So I just give them a moment to uh, digest that. And after, after that is opened up, we, I began to read the story and we talk about the story. And we're able to open a discussion, a, a real dialogue about, you know, just because you look different does not mean that you're not as special as everyone, that you're not as loved as everyone, but you are who you are. And I often use my own experience, not just with Sally, but um, myself and how I felt because I had an injury when I was a child, which caused one of my fingers to look out of place, out of sorts. And uh, we often get a joke out of this because it's my middle finger and it stands at attention. And so when I'm doing something and they stand it out of chitchen, I always hear children say, oh, you're seeing a bad bird. No, oh, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I can't help it. And so I, I express to them how I used to try to hide that part of me uh, when I was a child and even in some parts of adulthood. But I had to come to the place of, I'm happy I have this finger and that I did not lose this finger. And it's a part of me and I have to love all of me. And so when we're talking, um, you know, sometimes children will open up and say, okay, I have this going on, or I'm missing this, or, or maybe I talk with a lisp or something, but that's you and it makes you unique. It makes you the most beautiful, special person that you can be. Wow, beautiful. And so, you know, I, I don't have this as a question, but now you're, you're drawing me to it. When you were still teaching as a preschool teacher, is that the way you dealt? How did you also deal with kids to get them to understand 
about difference? You know what? Um, I used a lot of books. We talked about that. So we, uh, and I use, uh, well, as a preschool teacher, you have to be dramatic. So we used a lot of play mm -hmm. to show that. And um, one of the things that I really wanted that I, I never got was um, a doll or something to show someone that they look different. So we talked about it a lot, a lot. And it was, it was fun. We made, I made it fun because I didn't want to make any child feel uncomfortable about who they are and uh, maybe what they look like or who they look like or, you know, anything like that. So we talked about it and we made, uh, we had fun with it. Uh, we never joked about it. I never allowed that at all. We, we don't make fun of anyone. And that was before the term bullying got really big like it is, but we didn't allow, I didn't, I'm gonna say, I didn't allow that around me or around them at all. Yeah, that's the way I think. Uh, you know, I talk to teachers a lot about this because bullying is is dominant. You know, and uh, they they have to deal with this all the time. And they and so many of them, so many teachers I talk to, come up with all sorts of strategies and tactics to get kids to wake up to how that hurts. It is. It's painful, and uh, it's not just. Uh... Adults, I mean, I'm sorry, children that get bullied, adults get bullied too. So we have to learn how to deal with it. That's right, they sure do. I, I was under, under uh, thinking about your your uh, you, the fact that you chose teaching as a career. How has your experience as a teacher influenced you as a writer, if if at all? You know what I um, I guess it influenced me because they're my audience. So when I'm writing a book, that's who I'm going to. I'm going to, uh, even though I'm not teaching now, I'm going to my group of children, um, wherever they are. And I'm asking them what they like. And I know I'm gonna get a factual, truthful answer. I may not always like it, but I'm gonna get it. So I've gotten, I don't like the pictures. I don't like the words. I don't like the book. I don't like anything. And then I've gotten the other specter of saying, okay, maybe if you change this around and this around, then it would look better. And so it was actually a child who inspired me to change Sally's ending. She had another ending initially. Oh, but it was a seven-year-old child who looked at a home for Sally and suggested something, and that was what I used. Oh, wonderful! And what was that exactly? So, if I have, I have to tell you the ending. Oh, oh, uh oh! All right, well, I can't tell you the ending. I'm sorry, bad territory, bad territory. No, okay, well, let me, I can't let me... tell you the ending. Let let people let people go for it, you know, and look. Yes, let them go for it. Let and them go remember, for it. They'll remember that. That's that's a, a beautiful story. Um, I, I with your permission, I'd like to turn to Michelle Obama's impact on women and girls of color. Um, wh what did you want to achieve with that book? Well, you know what? That was actually not me. That was um, a group of uh, women. Uh, one of which I found out later was uh, Ida B. Wells' 
great-great-great-granddaughter. Mm. And they were putting together a book. They were putting together this particular book. And they, uh, I guess, were asking for authors. I cannot tell you to this day how my name got submitted to submit work with them. And so they reached out to me and uh, I was able to put in a poem. And so it's uh, different women from uh, throughout the United States who have different writings or pictures or uh, illustrations that have been a collaboration of this book. And so it was a very proud moment for me because it actually expanded my writing. Um, sometimes we as authors put our own self in a box well, we're just saying, I'm just going to write for children and that's it. But it uh, it stretched me and I appreciate that. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Uh, the challenge thereof sometimes gets us to open up a little bit more. That's, yeah, that's, it does. That's a, it that's does. a story. Um, another inspiring book of yours is The Love Story, which fascinates me. What What kind of a love story do you offer your readers? Okay, so with the love story, it is biblically based. Uh, it does not start off as the traditional Bible story. It starts off with uh, once upon a time in a place called heaven. And so it starts off as a fairy tale, but it's not a fairy tale. And so it, it, it carries the story from uh, Jesus coming from heaven and coming down to the earth and doing everything that he does. And as we're in the Christmas season, celebrating uh, his birth and then going on to we go into Easter season where is the resurrection and everything like that. So it carries you from that. And um, it's just all different um, specters that it carries you just, just in a story form. Uh, where children can understand it without the complexity of opening up a, a 700 page Bible or something like that, or a parent or, or, or a teacher trying to explain to them what sometimes could be a difficult story, making it very easy for them to understand and interpret. And right. And when I, I read, when I read some of it, I realized that you do that without condescending though. I mean, you never, you never write down to the child. You, you, you do present it in such a way that it really um, honors their, 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 their intelligence. Yeah, and I, because um, I wanted, and uh, it was important for me throughout that book to feature children, not just to, uh, it was important to feature Jesus story, but I wanted to have children involved in that uh, aspect too, because sometimes we leave children behind in that particular story and we just focus in on adults. Mm -hmm. That's important. That really is. It's very inspiring when you talk that way. Publishing a book takes a lot of time, energy, hard work, and creativity, as you well know. So could you, you describe your writing and publishing journey with, with any of your books, but particularly with A Home for Sally? Okay, so with The Home for Sally, um, it didn't take me that long to write it, uh, maybe about 15 minutes. I wrote it in about 15 minutes, but of course with rewrites and editings and things like that, of course it takes a longer. So the process was not so much as long as the writing and the editing, 
as it was with the illustrations. The illustration, choosing the right illustrations for this book, taken me almost two years mm -hmm. to go back and forth and what I liked, what I didn't like, and then getting my uh, audience of children together and getting their feedback and it, it taken a moment. And so as a writer, um, it takes a moment to make it feel the way you want it to feel. Because as a, uh, you know, as a children's author, the person who's doing your illustrations, you and them have to come to, you have to say, I'm gonna say have the same heart because you can, uh, illustrator can draw for you, but they have to have the heart of what your story is about. So that was the most challenging part of that. And also with the, with the love story, that was the most challenging part uh, for me. Of the illustrations. Well, you know, most, yeah. most of the time, you know, most of the time, I mean, in my experience with the picture books that I did, I was never allowed uh, to talk to the illustrator, you know, and then that was working with, you know, the large publishing companies and they, they just took the manuscript and looked for someone that they thought was appropriate to the tone, the style, the content of the story. But, mm -hmm. but uh, it's fortunate for you that, so you were collaborating with an illustrator. Yes, I was, uh, although, because uh, I worked with a hyper uh, publisher, and so they allowed me to work with the uh, illustrator. So they sent me a, an extensive questionnaire, which I had to fill out. And I had to go through multiple books that I liked and uh, submit, okay, I like this particular author, and I mean, this particular drawing in this particular book and I learned a lot a lot about carts uh, animated uh, drawings and line drawings and all kind of drawings <laughs> so I learned a lot about that and I learned a lot about myself what I like and what I don't like uh, although I don't know how to draw I know what I like mm -hmm. and um, it takes a moment I'm gonna say it taking me a moment I, I can't say that about everyone just me well, it does take a moment, and and it, uh, it, it sometimes what happens is the illustrations don't seem to match. You know, they don't seem to to, to match up with what you, you're intending as a writer. And uh, yes, so it's it's a big deal. It is. It's a big deal. Um, with my first book, I had um, I had hired an illustrator, and. Um, I kept looking at the book and looking at the illustrations and I kept going back and forth and I said, some, did they read my book? Oh, oh. <laughs> I was just, I was, um, it just didn't fit. It just didn't fit. Yeah, so did you go to a, a new illustrator? Yes, I had to, I had to. They just didn't, it just wasn't a fit. It just wasn't a fit. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be, it's it's a, a little bit of magic, you know, when that when it comes together, and uh, and, and and the word fit is is a perfect a perfect re or way to talk about it because it has to it has to have that synergy. Um, what what did what advice do you have for writers who'd like to publish a book? <clears throat> so the. Um thing that I always tell writers is you're not just a writer. You're a, a, a business person as well. Uh, because sometimes as writers, we just 
uh, thing that is just, I'm going to say for me, when I published my first book, I, I, I was so excited. It was out on the market and everything, but I didn't realize all of the back work that I had to do. And so I had to really kind of backtrack <clears throat> and think about, okay, how can I do this marketing? Uh, things that I wasn't comfortable with doing, I had to learn to do. So I had to learn to market. And that was an interesting par- uh, process for me. I had to learn to research. So I spent time at the library and uh, of course on the internet as well, researching things that I need to do to make my book successful. So as a writer, you write, and that's the, probably the most enjoyable part maybe for a person, but you have to consider all the other as- aspects of writing as well. The publishing part, the copyright part, the, uh, if you do a collaboration with someone, which I, which I did, uh, getting all of that stuff in order. So you have to consider everything. And as we're kind of ending the, I'm come, coming toward the end of the year, I have an author plan that I have that I'm revising for 2021. So I'm going over every key point in that plan to say, okay, this is what I want to do in 2021 and go forward. So just as we have a home budget, we need an author budget. We need an author plan. Yeah, that's a, that, that's interesting that you come at it from that perspective because it's true um, that we, you know, we we become book marketers, we become promoters, and like you, I I had an awful lot of learning to do, and I also I hired um, my friend Rick Light, who, mm-hmm. who uh, runs a company called Stress Free Book Marketing, and he has been enormously helpful. So I would recommend our listeners to to think about um, you know a book a book promoter a book marketer because they they have a lot of insight and they can teach us a lot but i still like you i i had to learn a lot on my own you know what what works and what doesn't work and what kind of exposure do i want to um, to use you know to get the book out there for people to find it it's uh, it's interesting and- you know and i see i didn't have to do that when i was with um, random house or assignment and Schuster because they they took care of that you know but that life life has changed radically since I did my first book so <laughs> it really has um, our conversation is taking place during the COVID pandemic what advice do you have for educators as they work with students during these challenging times okay so. It is, it is difficult. I'm, I'm not going to say it's the easiest thing because I'm, I'm on the other side, but I have my grandchildren who are in the home with me on a daily basis. They come in and out to do their e-learning. So I have an opportunity to listen in on what's going on mm-hmm. uh, with their grade levels. It's interesting just to listen to the teachers' conversations and sometimes they're very open with their students saying, we don't know when we're gonna go back to school. So one of the things is it may be difficult to say that, but a teacher needs to be honest. 
and let them know because just as the students may wonder, the students may wonder too. Um, we have to encourage, teachers have to encourage the students that you're not just at home, but you're in class, which is a twofold because that's something I have to do as well with my grandchildren when they're kind of slacking off. I'd be like, you're really, you're in school. You may be at home, but you're in school. And then uh, some activities, um, giving them some activities that normally they would do in the classroom well, maybe they can do it at home. And then getting a virtual library. Um, usually teachers have a uh, extensive book, a reading list that they have that children are reading maybe 25 to 30 books for the year. Well, that's kind of fallen to the wayside. I'm gonna say in some cases, I, I can't say in all cases, but they, they, they fall into the wayside. So in giving children a list of books that they can read on their off time. And also as a teacher, take a moment to breathe. Mm. Uh, just, just as your students are struggling, you're struggling too. And you may have to go and talk to another teacher. And uh, as we say, wusa moment, and get all of that frustration out. Wow. And do everything that you need to do. Because as I said, I'm on the other side. I've had to call teachers uh, to help me, to help my grandchildren. Because there's things that I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So I've had to call on them and say, what do I need to do? And there are parents that can assist teachers. So you may have a very knowledgeable parent who is very knowledgeable in technology. So you may need to reach out to one of those parents to help you. That's so wise. I, because I mean, my, my next question, I don't know if you, you may feel as though you answered it already, but it was like, you know, let's talk to, let's talk to parents and caretakers about okay. helping children cope with COVID. Okay, so with the parents and, um, I may have answered it a little bit, but with the parents and caretakers, you have to, because I hear this all day, get off the couch take the blanket off, stop watching television, turn off the video games. I'm hearing this as a caretaker. And so parents, guardians, whomever, they have to make that child say, I'm in, you're in school and I have to say it all day. You are in school, this is your schedule. And you have to have them to focus. We're not going to the bathroom 20 times a day. If you were in school, you would not do that. If you were in the actual classroom, you would not be watching television unless it was a special day. You would not be wrapped up in your blanket. You would not be playing video, video games. So as a parent and a caretaker, you have to take this very seriously as well because these, they are holding the children accountable too. They're still getting grades. They're still expecting the children to function 
as they would in a classroom. Even though they're understanding, they still expect the same thing. And so we have to help our children to say, okay, we're expecting the same things. Wow. And that may be hard. I'm sorry if I was a little hard. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm in the I'm in the trenches too, so I understand. I know. I just I'm so appreciative of that because I have I have two grandchildren in, in Arizona. One of them is 18, and the other one is 12, going on 13. And, okay. And I listen to my son, you know, and he's like, "Oh, Ivey, this is so difficult," <laughs> you know, and. You know, so I mean, to, and and they, and actually, what you were just saying, it puts the discipline into the whole process, you know, and the the, the repetition of the discipline, and the fact that it's uh, it needs to be talked about, and it needs to be talked about. I like how you repeat it over and over again. This is school. We are in school right now, you know, and that's I think probably some of the wisest ways of going about getting them to pay attention to what they have to do to su succeed. You know? Yeah, you have to. You have to emphasize that with them um, because it is challenging um, to be at home and you're at home, but you're in school as well. So that's the way it is then. What, yeah. pro what projects, writings, or otherwise are you currently working on? Okay, so I am working on a new release that I uh, should be coming out in 2021, and it is about dogs and companionship. And they are true stories, and I am enjoying every moment of it because um, the dogs are just, they're, according to their owners, of course, they're the best ever, but I'm just here. I'm enjoying a lot. I'm enjoying the stories from the uh, pet parents' perspective, um, how they got their dogs and what their dogs mean to them and how uh, maybe their dogs have been a healing force in their family or brought laughter or brought them out of depression. Uh, you know, and it's, it's really fun and I enjoy that. And even some tragic, some tragic stories um, because there are some tragedies associated with um, dogs and companionship. So it's, I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. I just, I just wanted to be right because I want to give um, justice to these uh, pet parents, and I want their voices and their dog stories to be exactly what they've given me. So, and so I want. Are you interviewing them? Yes, I am interviewing them. And how? And how? How did you? This is so interesting to me. How did you? <laughs> how did you find? <laughs> How did you find or choose these particular parent, the pet parent? I love that expression, a pet parent. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, well, some of them are people that I know. Uh, some of them have been referrals. And then I used a, um, uh, what is it called? Help a reporter out. I use that. And so um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. No, I'm not. What is that called? It's called, it's, it's actually the, it's H-A-R-O. H-A-R-O. And H-A-R-O. And it's a um, 
and it's uh, it's an acronym for Help a Reporter Out. So it's a website where you can submit if you're looking for something particular. Uh, I'm an author, so I was looking for stories. And so I posted on this particular website about stories. And so I started getting stories uh, that I wanted to use in my book. And so I, I haven't met some of those pet parents, but they've sought their stories. Wonderful. Okay. Wow. I, 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 that's a new, a new insight for me. Um, mm -hmm. So as <laughs> this has been delightful, I mean, as we're coming to the end, um, I, I, I want to tell people who are listening to us that they should, they should visit your website. It's, it's, it's very interesting. And so I, I'm going to spell S Stenetta is S-T-E-N-E-T-T-A, and Sinetta's last name is Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, and it's Dot Weebly, that's W-E-E-B-L-Y. Uh, in the website section titled More, watch the book trailer, a brief lively movie introducing you to A Home for Sally, it's delightful. In that same section, You'll also find a link to a reader reading a home for Sally aloud. You're not going to believe I'm going to say this to dogs in a kennel. That's hysterical. <laughs> it, I love that. All right. So, and while you're at the website, visit uh, in the media section where you'll find a read aloud of a home for Sally on kidlittv.com. And also any of you listening to us should know about kidlittv.com kidlittv.com. So, Stanetta, thank you so much. It's, it's, uh, been, a, thank it's you. been a real delight. Um, you know what? Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me on. It's, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. Oh, I'm so glad. And uh, I mean, the, your time is precious. Uh, and I, I love hearing about, you know, it, it's, it's so unique. Every time I talk to a writer, every writer is so unique about how he or she goes about it, you know, and, uh, and I've learned a lot from you and it's very inspiring. And I'm, I'm so glad that, and I hope that you'll stay in touch with me and that you'll let me know when your new book comes out because I can be there for you and help you, you know, promote it. Um, well, and, I definitely will. And you know, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling better as well. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. Stanetta. Thank you so much. That was a, that believe me, that was a trip. I, you know, my, my empathy and compassion for people who are, who are uh, you know, having to deal with COVID just mm -hmm. rose enormously. And, you know, and my case was minor, you know, and yet it was, right. it was still very hurtful, but uh, thank you for, thank you so much for saying that. Well, and you know what, and yeah, we, we have to have empathy because my mom is actually going through, um, about of COVID right now, hers was hers is a little more uh, challenging because she's in a rehabilitation center currently. Oh, so okay. it's it's a little. I mean, I don't, I don't. I guess for every person who thinks that it's just a joke, I I don't know how you could, but you know. Whatever, I, I'll tell you. I, as soon as you said that to me, the first thing I think is I'm going to pray for your mother tonight. You know, really. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Because I know we need to pray for one another all the time. Uh, Stanetta, thanks a lot. Ha have, a, have a have a good holiday season. 
uh, a happy new year and please stay in touch with me. I definitely will. So thank you and have a good one. Thanks a lot, Sonetta. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.